Could there be more to Thanksgiving than what we typically attach to it? You saw in those images, and by the way, thank you, Kendall Ebert, for putting that together. Is there more to it than the running and the trappings and maybe even a sense of entitlement? Recently, there was a man by the name of Stuart Jeffries. He wrote an article for The Guardian, and he said, One of the biggest problems we have today is that we have too many choices. And he said it's stressing us out. He goes on to make the point that if you want to watch a movie now, you have to make no less than 14 choices on how you're going to watch that. He goes on to say that it's debilitating when you feel like you have no choice, but at the same time having too many choices creates a debilitating feeling as well. And when watching a movie, you've got to decide, is it going to be Netflix, Apple TV, pay-per-view, Amazon, Chromecast, Hulu, Roku, or YouTube? And then what do you want to watch it on? Your phone, your tablet, your TV, a movie theater, or a computer screen? And that's just to watch a movie. He goes on and writes, The standard line is that choice is good for us, that it confers on us freedom, personal responsibility, self-determination, autonomy, and lots of other things that don't help when you're standing before a towering aisle of water bottles, paralyzed and increasingly dehydrated, unable to choose. He goes on and says, Increased choice then makes us miserable because of regret, self-blame, and opportunity costs. Worse, and I want you to hear this very carefully, worse, increased choice has created a new problem. Escalation in expectations. Because surely with all of the choices we have out there, there is one that's going to make us way happier than any of the others. And you see, high expectation, it comes at a cost. If we expect something, that means we feel entitled to that thing. And the currency you pay for expectation is thankfulness. What you pay to have all those expectations is thankfulness for what you already have. As a matter of fact, that word thank in all of its forms, thank, thankfulness, is commanded 139 times in the Bible. And God said in terms of expectation, he said you should expect what? He said you should expect to have trouble in this life. See, we're made to be thankful. As a matter of fact, the research they've done in terms of thankfulness says it bolsters resilience, distress, lowers depression, increases feelings of energy, determination, and strength. It helps you sleep better at night. As a matter of fact, they go on to say, few things have been more repeatedly and empirically vetted than the connection between gratitude and overall happiness and well-being. You see, we are people who have been created to be thankful. And I want to talk about this this morning. How do I practice the joy-giving discipline of thankfulness? How do I practice it? Because if it's so important, if it's commanded, actually when you pair together praising God and thankfulness, nothing else is commanded more in the scriptures than those two things. The passage I want to start out with this morning, we'll be looking at a few of them today. 
uh, is from 1 Thessalonians. It's going to be a short one, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. If you would please stand with me for the reading of God's Word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. This will be the shortest amount of time you probably ever have to stand for the reading of the Scriptures at First Baptist. Here it is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You may be seated. I would like to approach the topic this way. We're taking a break from the book of John, starting with Thanksgiving today. We'll be moving now into Advent. The holidays are here. They're upon us. I'd like to approach the subject this way. When am I thankful? Why am I thankful? How am I thankful? Answer those three questions. When am I thankful? Why am I thankful? How am I thankful? Let's start out that first question, when. Well, it's, it's pretty easy to answer from this verse we just looked at, isn't it? Always. That's when we're to be thankful. Paul says we're to be thankful always in all circumstances. In other words, there is never a wrong time to be thankful. And he says that to this church in Thessalonica. Paul's going to say it to a, a church in Ephesus. It's a theme of Paul is thankfulness. He opens and closes most of his epistles this way. Now, obviously, we should be thankful in good circumstances, right? We're thankful for the good things that God does. We're thankful for the blessings that he extends to us. But it's when good times are happening that we're almost least likely to thank God. Or rather to get down on our knees and pray. Usually it's when the bottom is dropping out of our life. That's when we're most compelled to come to God in prayer. But we need to thank God for the good times. You know, just a few weeks ago, I, I woke up, to be honest, I was feeling extremely discouraged. It's one of those days when you're just emotionally down and you're wondering, God, I really need help to get through this day. And I prayed, would you please some, some encouragement my way? Before I left the house that morning, somebody had texted me. And said, Chad, I don't know why, but I was just compelled to pray for you. Please know I'm thinking about you and, and your wife and your son. <clears throat> and that was a time to thank God. Thank God for an answered prayer, for some encouragement. But see, it's not just when God answers our prayers the way we want or things are going well that we need to be thankful. Because when you look at the life of Paul, and you go back and look at through the book of, of Acts, through chapter 16, through chapter 27, Paul's life was anything but trouble-free or a life of ease. He was shipwrecked, imprisoned, persecuted. He was beaten. And yet he said he was full of thanks in all circumstances. So when Paul says, in everything give thanks, he's not speaking theoretically, but speaking of something he actually experienced and did in the worst of situations, oftentimes writing those epistles from inside of a prison. See, anybody can be thankful in good circumstances. Christian thankfulness goes beyond this. And when you look at godly men and women in the Bible, this was the pattern they gave to us. If you take, for example, the, uh, the prophet Daniel, back in the Old Testament, he was exiled when he was 16 years old. He was moved away, he uh, became under uh, Babylonian control. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, look at his response. He said, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. 
as he had done previously. And this was after 66 years of being in exile. He was 80 years old at the time when he was still getting down on his knees, thanking God three times a day. He's saying the same thing to us, that when we're tempted to despair over life, when it's awful and it seems without hope, Paul, he's sharing this ongoing hope he had, that he could be thankful in the middle of despair. There's a story about a woman named Corey Tenboom. If you know who that is, she was a, a woman who was um, put in the uh, Jewish concentration camps uh, with all the, the Jews. She herself was a, a believer. And um, the Nazi concentration camps were in Ravensbrück, they were terribly overcrowded. They were flea-infested. But miraculously, they had been able to smuggle, Bible, smuggle a Bible into the uh, camp that she was in, into the barracks that she was in. And um, in that Bible, they read that in all things, they were to give thanks and that God can use anything for good. Her sister Betsy decided that meant thanking God for the fleas. That was too much for Corey. She said, I'm sorry. She said, I can't do that. I can't thank God for these fleas. Her sister insisted. So finally, Corey gave in and she prayed to God, thanking him even for the fleas. Over the next several months, they found that the guards no longer came into their barracks. And that meant that these women, that one, they weren't assaulted. It meant that they were um, able to do the unthinkable. That they were to continue having these open Bible and prayer meetings right there inside of the barracks in the heart of the Nazi concentration camp. And through that, countless women came to faith in Christ. And only in the end did they discover that the reason these guards weren't coming in there was why? It was the fleas. So this Thanksgiving, yes, we want to thank God for every good and perfect gift that comes. That's from James 1. But also thank him for how he's going to use even the worst things happening in your life right now. And I don't want to minimize some of the pain, horrible pain that some of you have been through even in this past year. And some of you have carried it from year to year. And I don't know how God is going to use it. Somehow he does, miraculously. And we can thank him for that. So that's, that's part of the when. It's not just in the good circumstances. It's also in the, the hard circumstances. And then why? Okay, well, why am I thankful? I want to offer three reasons. First of all, because God loves us. God loves us. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we're always thankful for the love of God demonstrated most powerfully in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a hope you can have in this world, and it can never be taken away. There's this incredible um, author, speaker. I've just kind of rediscovered him lately. His name is uh, Brennan Manning. Uh, and Brennan Manning, uh, he's an interesting guy. He, was a, he became a Catholic priest, but then he hated the priesthood. He became a monk, lived in a cave for a long time. Then he became an alcoholic, uh, and then he was divorced. And then he became a really dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ. But this is an every man who has struggled his way through the Christian walk, and he dived deeply into the meaning of Christian joy and thankfulness and love. And he had a very interesting experience with a, one of his best friends. He grew up in Brooklyn with a, 
another uh, young man by the name of Ray. And uh, he and Ray did everything together in Brooklyn. They, they bought a car together as teenagers. They double dated together. They went to school together and so forth. They enlisted into the army together. And they were on the front lines serving together. And they were in a foxhole one night, and Brennan was reminiscing about the good old days in Brooklyn while Ray listened and ate a chocolate bar. And then suddenly a live grenade, it fell into the foxhole. Ray looked at Brennan, smiled, dropped his chocolate bar, then he threw himself on the live grenade. It exploded, killing Ray, but Brennan survived. When he became a priest and he was instructed to take the name of a saint, he thought of his friend, Ray Brennan. So that's how he took on the name, Brennan. And then years later, it says he went on and visited Ray's mother in Brooklyn. They were sitting up late one night, and they were drinking tea, and Brennan asked Ray's mother, he said, do you think that Ray loved me? She got up off the couch, turned around, stuck a finger in his face, and shouted, What more could he have done for you? At that moment, Brennan said he had an epiphany. He imagined himself standing in front of the cross with Christ hanging on it and suffering, wondering, Does God really love me? And Jesus' mother Mary pointing to her son, saying, what more could he have done for you? Because the cross of Christ is God's way of doing all that he could have done for us. It answers the question, does he love us? Does he think of us? Does he care for us? This is the question that the cross of Christ answers. Obviously, all of those things he does, and it's something that we need to be thankful for. Meditate on that. Thank him every day for that. And then secondly, thankfulness also underlies joy. And I don't know how I've missed this, and maybe you haven't. Uh, but when I was preparing this sermon, this has been in my history of preaching. It's not as long as some, but it has been the most impactful study I've ever done on my own life personally is to get what I'm about to share with you right now. You see, if you are not a joyful person, my first question to you is going to be, are you a thankful person? I want to go back for a moment. I want to look at um, a passage from the Old Testament. Uh, this is from Nehemiah chapter 12. The people of Israel are rejoicing because they are coming back out of exile. They're going back to the city of Jerusalem. God is making good on his promise to give them back the land. But the walls needed to be rebuilt. They're being rebuilt. As a matter of fact, they've been rebuilt now, and the people are coming to dedicate the wall. And it's one of the happiest times they've experienced in a long time. It says there in that verse, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Later it says there were two large choirs that were put on two different walls to sing to the north and to sing thanks to the south. And we learn from this passage most specifically that joy comes with thankfulness. And this focus on God and the remembrance of 
God, it happened in a certain way. It says with hearts of thankfulness to God. The people were celebrating this dedication to the wall with thanksgiving. And they remembered what God had done. They responded. They lifted up their hearts and they offered him thanksgiving. And those choirs were the embodiment of of what they were singing. That is thanksgiving to God. And that thanksgiving fosters joy. Christian joy that is to be experienced. And if the people of God in Jerusalem, if they were consumed by this thankfulness to God, how much more we on this side of the cross should be enjoying God in a thankful first and then joyful kind of way. Now, I always like to define joy when I'm talking about it. It is a deep abiding assurance that Jesus Christ is sovereign over all creation. Not to be confused with happiness, which is just good warm feelings during happy times. Joy goes beyond that. See, we have to have a definition of joy that's not just for comfortable Americans, right? Because it's to be experienced by every Christian all over the world, some living in horrible circumstances. There's something else, back to my friend Brennan Manning, he wrote about in regard to this connection between love and joy and thankfulness. He said this. He said, I believe that the real difference in the American church is not between conservatives and liberals, fundamentalists and charismatics, nor between Republicans and Democrats. He said the real difference is between the aware and the unaware. Now, aware and unaware of what? He said when somebody is aware of that love, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We're grateful, and that makes us joyful. Don't miss that last part. We are grateful... And that makes us joyful. Because, see, if you're waiting on just the right circumstances, and then you'll be quote-unquote happy, or just the right circumstances, and then you'll be joyful. Let me tell you, there is an entire market out there that is capitalizing on that. There are people that pay billions of dollars to convince you that you are not satisfied. That is the culture we live in. This is the antithesis of that. You won't ever have the right circumstances. Everything is never going to be perfect. The culture says you need this party or that relationship or that gaming system. By the way, you can enjoy these things even more, ironically, when your heart's not dependent on having them. Then you can really enjoy them because it's not an ultimate thing. They're not going to give you ultimately what you seek because what you want is joy, and joy starts with thankfulness. Then you can actually enjoy the other stuff. So we're thankful because God loves us. We're thankful because it brings us joy. And then finally we see that thankfulness serves as a guard against sin. It serves as a guard against sin. Uh, Back to Paul, who mentions thankfulness about 50 times in the epistles. He says this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. He says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, let's just stop right there for one second because we see the description of the believer as being abounding in thanksgiving. And because of that, then we see verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. See, the danger that Paul is pointing out is the way the world believes. Acting the way that the world does, with their philosophies, with their own deceitfulness, being deceived even by these these demons, what he's calling these elemental spirits of the world. He's, he's addressing a false religion at the time called Gnosticism. But um, in our time, it's, any, it's against that which is not according to Christ. So for just for example, just take three common sins, uh, envy, arrogance, and greed. See, when we're envious, it's because we are not thankful about what we have. And if we had a heart full of thanksgiving... Uh, envy really wouldn't be an issue. We would be concerned what somebody else has because we'd be thankful. We'd be more concerned about the thankfulness of what we have, our blessings, our stuff. And then arrogance. And if you know someone who acts as though they are entitled to certain preferential treatment and that they're insensitive to the need of others, then they're not acutely aware of the blessings that they have. Because arrogance typically stems, springs from a heart of entitlement. I'm entitled to this treatment. I'm entitled to this. And then greed, this, this insatiable desire to acquire more. And it's common in our society. But it can be quenched by the satisfaction of what we already have. So a guard against these is thankfulness, to be thankful to try and, and, and bend down these sins that can be very common and prevalent. So then finally, well, how do we be thankful? How do we express this thanksgiving? I want to turn to a psalm, Psalm 100. And if, if you look at it in your scriptures, um, it's actually called a psalm of thanksgiving. It comes at the tail end of a, of a group of psalms that talk about Christ uh, being sovereign over creation. And there's seven commands in Psalm 100. Let me read it. Uh, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, there's actually there's seven commands in this psalm. And I just want to talk about three of them. The first of them uh, is to serve with gladness. It says it right there in the beginning, to serve with gladness. And what the psalmist is pointing out is that one leads to the other. If you're truly serving God, then you'll do it with a happy heart, a joyful heart. You know, Charles Spurgeon, in one of his very last sermons, I think it was his very last sermon in the very last part, uh, and by the way, he died not as an old man. He had a very hard life. He died as a, a fairly young man. He said this. He said, every person must serve somebody. We have no choice as to that fact. Those who have no master are slaves to themselves. Depend upon it. You will either serve Satan or Christ. 
either self or the Savior, you will find sin, self, Satan, and the world to be hard masters. But if you wear the uniform of Christ, you will find him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest unto your souls. If you could see our captain, you would go down on your knees and beg him to let you enter the ranks of those who follow him. He said, it is heaven to serve Jesus. Serve God with gladness. And then secondly, worship with God's people. Worship with God's people. And if you look at this psalm and, and, and the passage as a whole, it talks about making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his courts with praise. See, when we sing together, we are driving God's truth in on a deeper level. And that's why, notice it says, it doesn't say make a beautiful sound to God. It says make a joyful noise. He's not looking at quality. He's just looking for obedience. And when we sing, we're not just singing to God. We're also singing truth about God to each other. See, that's what helps the truth sink in. It's because we're proclaiming this to each other as we're also singing it to God. There was a guy by the name of uh, Bob Smetana. He meditated on this. He said, when we gather in corporate worship, we're not only singing to God, we're singing about God to one another. Through song, we can encourage and instruct our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Our worship through song also serves as a witness to non-Christians sitting in our pews. All of that goes along with being thankful to God. And then finally, express thankfulness to God in prayer. Express thankfulness to God in prayer. You know, we enter into God's courts, not in a physical temple kind of way, but as we gather together, but we also enter into God's presence when we go to Him in prayer. And it's right for us in every session and season of prayer, in every moment of prayer, every time we choose to go to God in prayer, that we also take time to thank Him. Thank Him for anything that you can imagine thanking Him for, even things that don't seem like they're worthy of thanksgiving. Think about the fleas. You've got fleas in your life. I don't know what they are. Even thank God because somehow he's working through that. Somehow he's changing you through that. So to put this all together, just straightforward, be thankful to God every morning, every day for the rest of your life. Don't miss a moment to be thankful to God. I want to close with... Uh, a story about a German pastor. His name's Martin Rinkert, and he served in a, uh, the town of Eilenburg during the Thirty Years' War. That was from 1618 to 1648. And it became a town uh, overcrowded with refugees from the surrounding areas. And the fugitives there were suffering from uh, epidemic. They were suffering from famine. And the beginning of 1637, it began the year of the great, they called it the Great Pestilence. And there were four ministers in Eilenburg at the time. One of them abandoned his post when things got bad. They couldn't bring him back. And then this pastor officiated the funerals of the other two who were there in the town. And as the only pastor left, he would conduct services for as many as 40 to 50 people a day who were dying. Some 4,480 in all. And then in May of that year, 
1637, his own wife died. And by the end of the year, the refugees had to be buried uh, in trenches without services. But in that world, dominated by death, he wrote a prayer for his children to offer to the Lord. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. And I'd like for us to say this together in closing. All together. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we have much to praise your name for, much to be thankful for. And God, I pray that here at the beginning of this holiday season, we would start with a heart full of thanks and gratitude. That we would not miss an opportunity to praise you and thank you, first of all, for the gospel. For sending your son. That he would die for us in our place for our sins. And God, I ask that when we're tempted to feel entitled to be at this party or get that thing or whatever it may be, that we would stop. And instead of responding with a sense of entitlement or expectation, that we would thank you for all that we do have. Help us to be a friend. Help us to love others in the same manner you've loved us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to remind you that if you are in need of prayer this morning, if you'd like to come down to the front, I'll be up here with um, a couple of the other elders. Otherwise, have a wonderful, fantastic, and thankful Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next Sunday.